Welcome to this week's edition of Eye of the Swarm, sponsored by Superior Beverages, our friends over at the Budweiser Distributorship. Thank you very much for your continued support of everything that we do over here at KUWS. But uh, another week in the books here as we are down to one, one week left to go in the, the first semester. And after this week, a little bit of a break for everybody. And this one, uh, semesters generally fly by pretty quickly when you're in the thick of them. But I, I feel like, Matt, this one went a little bit quicker than normal. Yeah, I think there was enough stuff happening that uh, there was enough just other circumstances as well that made this one fly by. And what I mean by that is just the all the postponements in the fall and then you know the snowstorms that we've had, which are continuing to hit us, I feel like, on a... Uh, you don't have Almost, to feel like they, yeah, they, did. they just they just are. Um, I feel like we need to have a weather report at the beginning of each of these. I know, right? And and especially if we have you know, like you said, six or seven more of these winter events. I think you 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 said that the uh, almanac would, is telling us that we are supposed to have seven or eight. I'm using air quotes. Major winter events. Ugh. So I don't know. Was like was was yesterday? Is that considered a major event? I don't. What constitutes a major event? Yeah, that that definition needs to be. I think. I for me it's more than ten inches. That's a major event to me. Darn it! <laughs> I know. I was hoping the second one was out. Of yeah, the way I know. And it's not there. Right? Yeah, because we've had probably at least two so far. We could probably have almost three. Right. Because yesterday we were between. I think we got about six to eight in Duluth, and you said you got about what eight to ten it, here. I'm guessing probably around the the eight nine inch mark. Yeah. You know, I. I it's tough for me to gauge it just because I live in Superior's wind tunnel. Right. And I would yeah. challenge just about anybody in town to compare the drifts they get at their place and the drifts I get at my place. Yeah. Because it, it doesn't matter if we get an inch or 20 inches, I have knee-high snow at my house. Yeah, yeah. Every single time. And the amount of snow we have to move is just insane. Yeah, it's kind of nutty. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, but uh, hopefully everyone is at least safe and warm. I mean, that's about all I can ever you know, say after uh, an event plus right <laughs> that we've had so far stock up on your Kansas soup and away we right. go right yeah exactly hope everyone's got their snow blowers and you know is inside and like had I said, to throw that snow blower thing in didn't you oh uh, well you know i i didn't realize that there was a run on the snow blowers all of a sudden <laughs> so i didn't find that out until i came in today it's like so. the first time it gets hot and all of a sudden there's a run on air conditioners and fans yeah yeah I you suppose. know it's the same thing it makes total sense i just didn't think about it right so yeah no i uh I feel your pain, man. If you're one of those people, I used to have to shovel it myself. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a that's a thankless job. It's not even a job. It's just thankless. Yeah, it's <laughs> awful. It's a chore. Yeah, it's a chore. It's got to be done. But yeah, I, I I put on the Facebook yesterday. You know, I'll apologize to the citizens of Superior and the mail carriers because my my sidewalks are already starting to get narrower. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, and it's December 10th. That's the risk you run, right? Yep. I mean, and uh, well, and and for this time of the year, yep. This is pretty bad. Yep. I mean, <laughs> we're not used to this. I no. mean, at this point last year, we didn't have, we didn't have the, anything. Yeah, we didn't have any snow. Because I remember my mother coming to our house for Christmas and being angry that we didn't have any snow. Right. And yeah. sending pictures to all of her friends going, John doesn't have any snow at his house. And then like three weeks later, kaboom. Yeah. We got hammered. And it's like, okay. And then it continued mom? to hammer us all the way up until about April. Yeah. And uh, it sounds like the same thing is going to happen this year. And I don't know what we're going to do in that case. I that I, That's a genuine question what are we going to do about this because there's you know well okay we've already talked about the fact we have to find a place to put all the snow right. spears in a better spot than for that than duluth is right but at the end of the day there are limits i mean there's only so much you know any municipality can take even if they are prepared for it you know and so i 
I mean, the roads in Duluth have been about halved in terms of their width right now. Right. And so I don't know what's going to happen if we get a whole bunch more. I mean, we can go down to the point where we stop the whole thing and just we're gonna have to go on horseback to we'll <laughs> be like you know. Springfield, and we'll just put a big dome over it. That'll stop everything. Yeah, yeah, brings. Yeah, we'll we'll do the. Uh, hopefully, the uh, environmental protection agency won't, <laughs> you know, deem our town a environmental disaster area like they did in that. And you, that and I, you and I will open a dome depot, and away we go. <laughs> yeah, at the corner of Main Street and the dome. Yeah, there you go. Um, Anyway, <laughs> all yeah. right. But we had some sports last week. We did. We did. Through all of that, we still had games that got played. Everybody just about was in action last week, uh, multiple times, actually. Even Track and Field got one in there. So they we'll did. talk about them in a second here. Uh, men's basketball sitting at 4 and 4 overall, 2 and 0 in the UMAC now. They won two games last week. Defeated Northland 78 54 on Wednesday, December 4th, at Kendrigan Center in Ashland before downing North Central 68 53 at the CLC Gymnasium in Minneapolis on Saturday. Two really nice wins for the L Jackets. Um, I was really happy with how they played. I didn't see the game against North Central, but I saw the Northland game. Obviously, did it on the radio on 91-3. Um, they played really well that night, and uh, they've had a really good start to the conference campaign, which makes me feel good about where this team is going. Uh, and that ball game, they led from start to finish, uh, and they got out 14 to one in the first seven minutes of that game against Northland, and then Northland came back. Uh, I think tied the game at one point, but then the Yellow Jackets came back, made a big run. Late in the ball game and really pulled away down the stretch. They led by 26 at one point in the, last, in the final minute before Northland got a meaningless garbage basket to make it a 24-point game. But really impressed by how the Yellow Jackets played that game. They were very impressive. Uh, UWS led 39 to 29 at the half, and then outscored the Lumberjacks 39 to 25 in the second half. So 39 points in each half. Nicely done by the Yellow Jackets and Coach Greg Polkowski. UWS made 42.9 percent of their shots, held Northland under 40 percent at 38.5. B. Malinkovich, who had a big week, 24 points, 14 boards, 10 out of 17 from the field, and he had eight offensive rebounds, and he was a total matchup nightmare for the Lumberjacks, and that was a big reason why the Yellow Jackets were able to pull away in that game. Colt Williams had 14 points, Allen Anderson 13 points, Mac Rechtdahl in his final game before his hometown fans, really, in Ashland. Of course, he's from nearby Washburn, Wisconsin, had 10 points in that contest. And then in the game against North Central, UWS, again, very consistent, 33-24. to They led the half against the Rams on Saturday, then outscored them again 35-29 in the second half. So four good halves of basketball played by the Yellow Jackets last week. Veed Malinkovic, 15 points, 8 rebounds. He was named UMAC Player of the Week. So congratulations to our favorite uh, Serbian power forward. Indeed. Yeah. Mason Ackley, 12 points. He was 4-for-8 from the field. Alan Anderson also had 12 points, while Colton Williams had 11 points in the Yellow Jackets with – Two games each with four guys in double figures. That's also a good sign. I'm going to spread that scoring around a bit. So No, it's a wonderful start for them. Yeah, and really I, good start. I think based on the way the past couple of years have gone, based on kind of where they were picked in the preseason poll, they they, were, they needed to have this kind of a start. I think they did. Yeah, and I, I, I think that people in the conference didn't quite know what to expect from them. Um, I thought they were going to be better. I thought they'd be quite a bit better, and they are quite a bit better, which yep. is nice to see. Yep. Um, women's basketball has the exact same record as the men. No surprises that they're undefeated in conference. I feel like I say that just about every year. Well, four and have. four overall. Yeah, exactly, because <laughs> I have. Two and oh in the UMAC. Uh, won two games last week as well, defeating Northland 79 to 66 on that same Wednesday at the Kendrigan Center in Ashland before defeating North Central 76 to 63 at the CLC Gymnasium in Minneapolis. And that Northland game, that game was a real, real slugfest. <laughs> That's the best way. <laughs> That was that was one of those games where it's a game of attrition and you just have to kind of go through it. Um, and the reason why I'll talk about it in a minute here, 
Uh, UWS led that game 26 to 10 after one, 44 to 20, 44 to 20 at the half, and then 61 to 43 after three. Here's the reason why it was a game of attrition: 53 total fouls and 65 free throws. In other words, it was uh, a whistle every t- two seconds. It felt like, and it it's death by a thousand paper cuts. Yeah. I mean, it's a very hard game to broadcast. It's a hard game to play in. It's a hard game to watch. Yeah, it's a hard game to watch. There was no flow to it whatsoever. I mean, it, it, like you said, you I know you compared it when, when I came back from uh, Ashland that night. I remember you comparing it to, it was like the Eau Claire uh, men's hockey game where you had all those penalty calls. That was basically what we had in women's basketball that right. night. I mean, when you get that many whistles, there is no flow. Uh, there, the, the game just, it, it just drags along. Yep. And, you know, even though they won by 13 points, it really was, I mean, I was exhausted mentally by the end of the game because it's just, you know, whistle after whistle after whistle, free throw after free throw after free throw. And it just, it was one of those games where it it felt like, like you said, death by a thousand paper cuts. It just, it's not a fun brand of basketball to watch. But thankfully, the Yellow Jackets were able to get the win. They did shoot 49.1% for the game. Well, Northland made 36.2%. Jackets had uh, four players scoring double figures. Ewer Reinertsen had 13. Emily Carpenter had a game-high 16. Marissa Ruiz and Maddie Sanders each had 10 points as well. And then that game against North Central, the Jackets led 21-13 to after one, 42-33 at the break, and 63-49 to after three. Eva Reinertsen, who was our guest, by the way, this week. We'll hear from her in a moment. Yep, 26 points, 13 boards, 10 out of 19 shooting for Eva. That was, I think, both career highs for her, I think. Yes. Okay. And Marissa Ruiz had a big game, 20 points. Had 5 out of 10, 3-point shots. 6 out of 14 overall. Emily Carpenter... Continue her study play, 13 points, four, uh, four, 8 from the field, hit four for six three-point shots in that game, and Pasha Scott had 10 points and eight rebounds. Women's hockey was off last week, so we'll skip past them. Men's hockey, though, was in action, John, and uh, split for the Yellow Jackets on the road. We'll talk about uh, the official numbers here, and then I'll get your thoughts on how you felt it went. Uh, split two games, defeated UW-River Falls 5-2 to two at Hunt Arena in River Falls on Friday, December 6th, before following UW-Stout 4-2. to two. On Saturday at the Finetti Community Center in Menominee, Wisconsin. I know your favorite building of all time. It is. <laughs> it is. It was still good and cold there, too. Yeah, still good and cold. You had yeah, uh, plenty cold. of coffee, did you? I did. Okay. Yeah. It was It was really cold. Was it really cold? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't imagine how bad it is now, considering the uh, polar vortex we have hovering above us. So, Well, it was warm out that day. Oh, right. So, boy, I can't Fine. Even... Okay, right. Uh, but I, I've been down there in the, the dead of January, too. Oh, right, you know, yeah. Or I've, I've had to be in that building, too. That building so. is never warm, is it? No. Yeah, it's, no. Always, it's always on no the No matter what it's cold, I carry a digital thermometer every time we play there just so I can check see, it out. see what the temperature is when we play. And I, it was it hovered right around 40 degrees the whole time. So it, it's still chilly. Um, but, like, the two years ago, I think it was, like, 24.8 degrees. Oh at game time, gosh. was it really that yeah, bad? Yeah, it was that cold in there, and you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, fall and spring sports, they don't let you play if in it's that if it's that cold, right? You yeah, know, exactly. and so here we are in these incredibly, it's just it, a place that's too cold to hang meat in, probably. <laughs> and let's have a hockey game, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, that's one of those. Thank God for all the equipment because that's the only thing saving you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what it is. Yep. Uh, in that game against River Falls, by the way, much nicer building, <laughs> much nicer. Yeah. UWS scored once in the first, three times in the second, and once more in the third. Jordan Martin scored two goals. Good to see him actually score a goal instead of just helping on one. Right. Those are his first two goals of the year. My Correct. Yeah, okay. He's scored right away, 35 seconds in the opening period. Good start for the Jackets. Off assist from Lawson McDonald and Connor McLean. Then he added a second goal for the Yellow Jackets, did Mr. Martin. Off assist from Johnny Pace and Andrew Durham, 230 in the second period. That one was on the power play. 
Levi Cudmore scored in the Yellow Jackets' third goal off assist from Will Blake and Johnny Pace again at 12:25 of that same second period. And then Durham closing out the three-goal second frame for the Yellow Jackets from Pace at 18:07. That also on the power play. Will Blake added an insurance goal for the Jackets in the third from Cudmore and Dylan Johnson at 2:17 to make the final 5-2. Jackets were outshot. Interesting stat there, 25-18. Oscar Svensson had 23 stops, but I know that you were pretty happy with though with the overall play, weren't you? Well, well, first you talked about the shots, right? Yeah, were, that's... were they outshot that night? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going off the box score. Did so. they have more than 18? Yes. Okay. I, I'm not sure who was tracking shots in that building. Okay. And if I'm their goaltender, I'm probably pretty upset because my save percentage is ruined to a point now where I don't know if I'll be able to fix it this year. Yeah. You know, it's like, would... it's like when you give up a ton of runs in one inning in the first game of the season, your ERA never comes back down. Right. Yeah. And I think that's where his save percentage is going to be at because. Yeah, 13 it, stops officially. Right. On 18. It, on 18 shots. and That's like 60, what is that? that not good. Yeah, not good. Not good. Yeah. So, I, you know, you're at about two-thirds. Oh, yeah. You know, so about, you're at about 67%, roughly. Yeah, that's what I was going with that, so. But I, did they get outshot? Yes, but I'd, I'd probably put it more in like the 28, 22. Range. 23 range. Okay. Not that that's a lot better. No. But it's still... I'm surprised the shots were that. They didn't low. hold us to just as few shots as as the, as the numbers would, say. Yeah. Okay. I was because yeah. I was going to ask you about that because those looked really low. Yeah. But all in all, it was it was a really nice effort by the guys. Okay. They they came out and they played really well. Okay. They, they were talking before the game about you know let's set the tone while well, scoring 35 seconds in generally sets the tone pretty well. Yeah, it does. And the fact that they scored in the first two and a half of each period, you know, so they they managed to set a tone. Right. Yeah. Each period and that that all helped obviously right yeah put them where they needed to be to win yeah. to win that game they they played well top to bottom front to back they they both played, ends of the ring they played very yeah. well that night well that's good that's good unfortunately the next night didn't go quite as well yeah against UW style 4 to 2 the loss for the Yellow Jackets just their second loss of the season Yellow Jackets scored both of their goals in the second period had a really tough start we're down 2 nothing after one came back though to tie the game Dylan Johnson from Colton Nelson and Chad Lopez shorthanded at 7:27 in the second period to make it two to one, then Andrew Durham from Bruno Berzaitis at nine oh three to make it two two, but the Jackets couldn't uh, get over the top and ended up losing that game four to two. That was, I know, a game that they would have liked to have had back. It's funny. I, I asked Rich in the pregame when we were doing the interview, and, and he mentioned there's, it, it's a tough building to play in, and they play very well in their building, and still there's, you you look at that game and at. You know, he said there. You, you view these games, and there's certain ones every year where you go, "Man, we we really would like to have that one back. We'd right. like to have those points." And it seems like every single year, it's a game against Stout where the Yellow Jackets go, "God, I wish we could have that one back." Right. Yeah. And this is that one. Yeah. This, you know, granted, or you're a third of the way into your season only, but this is one of those games where I think they're going to look at it and go, "Boy, we, we'd really like to have that one back," because they they came out flat. There, there was no sharpness at all in that first period in terms of giving passes, receiving passes, getting pucks to the net. There, it was, it was not a good period of hockey. They were just so, sluggish coming out. Yeah, yeah. In the second period they came out a lot better and were able to get the tie. But then they give up that power play goal with 12 seconds to go in the period, and that that was a real deflator. Yeah, you know, because yeah. it's power play goal number one. It comes in the last minute of a period number two, and you go to the locker room with that. Ugh. Yeah. And I I think, I think if they don't give up that goal, 
they probably win the game. Okay. Because I don't think it's going to – you don't have the life sucked out of you. You go into the locker room with of instead with the, hey, okay, we got the two back, we tied this game, now let's go out and finish it. Right, yeah. And instead it was, man, okay. we had to work so hard to get the two to tie the game, and now we, we gave it back. We got to claim uh, now we have, uphill Now again. we have to do it again. We're chasing the game again. And I, I think if they don't give up that goal, they win the game. Not and not that it's a bad thing, right? But they they haven't had to play from behind, right? Yeah, they've been ahead. You know, they've been ahead the going yeah. into that game. They had been ahead for just under ninety five percent of the minutes during the season. Oh, wow. or they they've been tied or ahead. Okay, so they they've only they only trailed for twenty one minutes the entire year going into the game. So they they hadn't played from behind, right? And it was kind of a new experience for them. Yeah. Yeah. In, in some ways, and it just it was a it was one of those nights. It just nothing. Yeah, it wasn't their night. I said that at at the end of the game. You know, there's just nights where it's not yours. Yeah, and, you just, and that was it. That, you're off, and it doesn't quite work out for you. you. Know, Stout clearly played their best game of the year that night. We didn't. Yeah, and sometimes that happens. And it happens. So, yeah, six and two now for the men's hockey team. Uh, men's and women's track with kind of uh, a random meet in there. I, I, it's weird because it's they do it every year. Yeah, they have like now they have like a more than a month or a month off. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they both competed at the opener hosted by Saints Kalaska on Saturday, December 7th, at the Burns Wellness Commons in Duluth. On the men's side, C.J. Pellath, who does this quite often, by the way, won the shot put with a throw of 15.28 meters. He was first out of 14 competitors. Eddie Carlson posted UMAC Best 5,000-meter time in that meet, 1701.48. Michael Knack, meanwhile, finished fifth in the 200 meters with a time of 23.51. On the women's side, Cassie Scadabo won the high jump with a height of 1.5 meters. Abby, is it Lanier? Is that how you said that? I think so. Lanier? Okay. It's posted at UMAC Best triple jump distance of 9.59 meters in her second attempt at that meet. And with those performances, C.J. Pellath and Cassie Scadabo, <laughs> Eastburn UMAC Indoor Field Athlete of the Week honors. So congratulations to them. C.J. ranked number one in the nation right now. Is he really? He is. I knew that because uh, he had had a huge year last year. Yeah. And so I know that their expectations are high for him. Right. Um, but good to see him uh, kind of meeting those at the beginning of the year here because uh, he outthrew a couple of guys from UMD too, I think, right. in that one, didn't he? Yep. So, yeah, congratulations to him. Uh, good to have him back. He's going to be a big point scorer, I have a feeling, this year for the yeah. Czech team. No, no doubt about that. Yeah. No doubt about that. And then men's soccer continues to rack up the accolades. Those are just coming left and right here. <laughs> uh, six Yellow Jackets were named the United Soccer Coaches All-Wisconsin team for 2019. Blake Perry was named the All-Wisconsin Player of the Year. Eric Watson was All-Wisconsin Offensive Player of the Year. Both were also named to the first team. While James Bruce and A.J. Olson were named the second team, and Danny Kearns was named the Honorable Mention Squad, Joe Mooney, our favorite coach, named Coach of the Year on the All-Wisconsin team. So more accolades for those guys. I feel like those are coming every week now. I think they're done. Are they done now? Is that I it? think they're done. Yeah. Okay. This is usually the last one. Okay. You know, when you were working at the News Tribune, this is the one you asked me if it was yeah, a real it was, thing or not. They weren't even, yeah, they didn't yeah, know. Yeah, they, everybody thought we put a fake press release out. And, and no, but, it's a thing. No, it's a real thing. Yeah. You get a I, certificate and everything. I wonder, do the other states even do it? I have no idea. Okay, because this is the first I've, yeah, like, that's the first time I had heard of it. Yeah, I, I, like, I have no idea. But yeah, this that that's usually the last one. Okay. So okay. we're, I think, pretty well done bringing hardware in. Free the, well, the way the way it's going, Mooney's office is going to be stacked up with these things. Yeah, he's going to have a few, he's have <laughs> yeah. a few trophies in there. Yeah, just a, just a few pieces of hardware, but not there's anything wrong with that. We like seeing the hardware come in. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, no so. doubt. So that was the week that was. That was the week that was. That was the week that was, and a big part of the week that was was Yellow Jacket senior Eva Reinertson from the women's basketball team, and she'll be joining us here right after the break. You're listening to the Eye of the Swarm. 
Sports broadcasts on 91.3 FM are made possible in part by National Bank of Commerce, a catalyst for growth in our region for over 80 years with locations in Superior, Duluth, Hermantown, Poplar, and Solon Springs. More at NBCBanking.com. We make more possible. Member FDIC. We're back on this week's Eye of the Swarm, and we are joined by Yellow Jacket women's basketball senior Eva Reinertsen, who is uh, poised to become the next member of the 1,000-point club, and there's a good chance that that could happen before people actually listen to this. Fun little nugget right there. And by the look on Eva's face, I'm not sure she even realized that. (laughs) No, not really. It was coming up, I guess, and then... I'm not sure. I didn't know it was this close, I guess. Well, your eyes got pretty wide yeah. when it was brought up just now. So It's coming up soon. Yeah, It is. Okay. I was actually starting to think about this, though. <laughs> I was wondering the other night. These are the kind of things that you know, people like me think about at night. I'm like, how far is she away from 1,000, I wonder now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially when I saw your stat line against North Central, I was like, okay, yeah. she's got to be getting pretty close. Right. You know, And I'm like, mm. where it, Where it gets dicey, there was a there was some mistakes in the, the scoring from the Northland game. Oh. Yeah. And so... We think we know how many points you had in that game. <laughs> Guessing, I, had, yeah. I, I I said on the air. I think I had fifteen or sixteen. I think it was something like that. I think it was thirteen. 13. Was it, 13? it was thirteen. Yeah. It was thirteen. That 13? game they okay. had you for seven. So mm-hmm. there's some yeah. adjusting that has Cash to be done there. I had a big there. game that night. Yeah, Cash yeah. Had a big game that <laughs> night. Yes, <laughs> really big game that yeah. night. But anyway, thousand points. I mean, that's yeah. uh, that's a remarkable milestone. Yeah, and yeah. I imagine. I would say something to be proud of, but I'm not sure she would be because she didn't even know she was approaching it, apparently. <laughs> no, I knew I was approaching it. I guess like I didn't know it was it maybe as close as it might be, I thought, in the next month, you know. But, um, it, it, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. There's a lot of things that go into it, but, yeah, it's, it's exciting. Well, it will be in the next month. Okay. It'll, it'll be in the yeah. next week. Um, yeah. Good chance it could happen Wednesday against St. Scholastica, <laughs> if not, probably most likely on Saturday against Bethany Lutheran. Oh, and, yeah. You know, probably yes. important for you two to do it at home, right? Yeah, I would. I definitely want to do it at home. It means a lot to do it in front of my family and friends and then everybody at the in the community at UWS. You know, everybody has been a big part of my athletic experience here, and so to do it on the road would definitely not be the same as doing it here. Because we've had a few that have actually done it on the road, and you're right, it just doesn't quite feel mm-hmm. right. Um, usually on the road, what they'll do is they'll say, oh, by the way, so-and-so from UW-Superior just became a 1,000-point scorer. And they'll usually be, do like a nice little thing where they'll stop for a second and everybody will go, hey. Right. And then yeah. get right back to the game. At home, though, it makes more. You know, it, it means more. Right. For sure. I mean, I'll, I'll give credit to Stephen's point because when Sally broke the scoring th- record. No, she hit her 1,000. Oh, oh, yeah. She <laughs> broke the scoring record at home, okay. also yeah. against point, I believe. Yeah, but it was, actually. She scored her 1,000 point in Stephen's point, mm-hmm. and their head coach called the timeout. Yeah. and had oh, the announcement wow. made and presented her with the game ball and, and all of that. So Shirley was really that, cool. Really I thought neat. they handled yeah, that really, really, really well. Yeah, that's Shirley neat. was really, really classy about it. I mean, Shirley Egner has been the head coach there for what seems like forever. I don't know how many years. She may have started now. the program. Who knows? I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, she's been there probably now going on 30 years, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. guessing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, been around a long time, coached some very, very good players. But, she, yeah, she made a big point about it. I mean, I remember I was I did the game. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, even Don Mulhern, who was, I, I know recruited you, um, you know, he, he said something on the bus on the way back. I think we ended up losing by, like, five or six. It was a close game. But, uh, yeah, in the, in the second half, they stopped it and went over and presented her with a game. I mean, it was really – that was as much of a big deal as I've seen another school make about a player going over 1,000 points. But it was a very classy move by Coach Egner to do that. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I said so on the air. I said, this is, 
this is pretty slick. This yeah. is a pretty cool deal. Hmm. So that was pretty cool, but, you know. Well, I'm, I'm not sure we would handle it that way if right, yeah. it was happening for another player from another school in our building. Yeah, I remember two girls from Wisconsin Stout scored their 1,000-point here in our tournament last year, and it was like we did stop the game and recognize it. But, yeah, I mean, that's a lot to do for for somebody else's player. That's neat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> they even let uh, uh, Coach Mulhern and Sally take a picture. Wow! Like there was a there was a yeah. there was a timeout for a picture and everything, and you know the two of them, and in the photo, it's a little bit like <laughs> anticlimactic because they're imagine, both right in the no. middle of the game. Right. So Don isn't even smiling; he's just standing there like <laughs> you can tell neither one of them were into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Sally was very straight faced as well. She just kind of stood there, and it was it was a little bit strange in that regard because I saw the photo later on. And I'm like. And they look thrilled. Yes. Because, <laughs> yeah, know, I don't know like, if you want to stop in the middle of the game and take it or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> Depending you on how it's going, you know. Right, yeah. But yeah. it was literally right in the middle of the game. So yeah. Don was in full coach mode. Uh, yeah. Sally was in full game mode. <laughs> well, so it, it, was like, it was an important game, too. I yeah, mean, it, was it was a big was, game yeah, that year. Exactly. You know, both teams were in the thick of the race for the conference championship, and you yep. knew this was going to be an important game for that. So Yeah. yeah. It, 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 but the look, I'll never forget the look on Don's face. It was very, like, because knowing Don, Don's a very upbeat person. Mm-hmm. But in that photo, he just was, <laughs> he looked like he had just bit into a lemon. I right. mean, he had that look like. Yeah, Don in games is... Not the same as Don. <laughs> the rest of, of the games. time, I mean, yeah. he is, but he's a yeah. It's he's not into all that. No, in game. no, game Don and game Zach are two totally They're different very people, different people aren't for they? sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and that's a question I I, I would ask you is I mean, mm-hmm. you played for both of them. Yeah. What are the biggest differences between playing for Coach Mulherning and and Zach? Because I mean, mm-hmm. I see it. Of course, I've seen it ever since you know he left, and I know that you've experienced it more than I have, obviously, but. Um, their personalities are very different. So yeah. I'm just wondering, like, because, I mean, even though Zach was on staff yeah. and was his lead assistant at the time, you know, it's not like you didn't you didn't know how Zach coached, but it is different. Their personalities mm-hmm. are very different, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, they, they both are great guys. They're great people. You know, you guys both know them. And um, I don't know, I just remember Zach, when I was a freshman, kind of being responsible for – talking Don off the ledge you know Don is always screaming at the refs you know <laughs> walking up and down and things getting after him and like Zach would like be you know calming him down and things and that's kind of what that's kind of the biggest difference I think that Don would get so riled up about stuff you know and in a good way like he was just passionate you know and he would come into the locker room at the half and you know he'd get after us for stuff but um He's just into it like that. And then and Zach is too, but the way that he expresses it is a lot different. You know, he's very in control of, you know, all of those emotions and things. He doesn't doesn't express them in that way. And he gets after us and things too, but not in the same in the same way. You know, he's he'll come right up to you and like tell you tell you what's going on. Don was less he didn't interact with us, I guess, as much on the bench, you know. He would kind of be talking to the people on the floor and doing that and then Harold and um, Zach would talk to us. And so Zach does more, I think, interacting with us on the bench as well as on the court, I guess. You brought up Hal, and I, yeah. I like to ask every player, <laughs> you know, what, what's so special about Hal? Because I think we all have our own Hal yeah. thing, Yeah. you know, whether it's him walking into my office every single time he sees me and 
mm-hmm. you know, accuse me of not working or, or whatever. He does that to you? He does that all the time. You know, <laughs> yeah. you're not working again and he'll, we'll have a laugh over it. Yeah. But, you know, everybody has their hell thing. What is so mm-hmm. special about him? I just, uh, everyone loves hell. I mean, everyone who meets him, you gotta, you gotta love the guy. I mean, he's, he's so smart with basketball. Like he's in however many Hall of Fames and Wisconsin, everybody knows, you know, and I actually don't know if everybody knows. It's not like he talks about it. And so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, I mean, yeah. he, he is though. And like, uh, he's just a really endearing man that you, you know, that I have a lot of respect for also. Like he's, he's like a, a grandpa in a way, you know, and like, he's, he's always around, you know, he'll call during the summer. Like you get a couple calls from Hal, like, how are you doing? What are you up to? I'm just checking in and things. And like, you know, he really cares about you as a person, but then he also knows how to make you better. I mean, he's, He's been doing this for years and years, and he's been very successful. And so I, I mean, he's just a special, a special person. I think that um, just knowing how much he cares about each one of us, and then the fact that he's stuck with this program, even though Don isn't here anymore, like that, to me meant a lot. That's been one of the most special things about him. I think is that you know I thought that he probably wouldn't be here after Don left and for him to stay all this time, I don't know how long he'll be here, but for him to stay with this program for that long has meant a lot, you know, and he was a big part of recruiting me with Don. And so to have that familiarity and to have him around has, has been great. I think the story about him not going with Don down to St. Kate's has been pretty well covered. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that he was adamant that he had to stay here. I mean, that was, you know, and, and there was a, a bit of a tension there between him and Don. I think that says a lot, though, considering they actually are family. Right. right. You know, and that he elected, though, to say, you know, I, you know, you can go down to St. Kate's, but I have to stay here because I can't abandon these girls now. That was basically his kind of his overall. And, I, you know, I've gotten a chance to get to know him fairly well. And, uh, you know, just from our lunches and talking with him. And uh, he's more it, – it's interesting to watch him because – we rarely talk about X's and O's. I mean, we'll talk about the team and, you know, what's going on with it. But we almost never talk about X's and O's. It's always about, you know, where such play, said player is mentally, uh, you know, how are they feeling about how things are going, uh, you know, you know what we need to do in terms of our attitude. I mean, it's, it's, it's not so much about pure basketball. You know, you set a pick here, you come off the screen, go down. It's more with Hal, you know, in the conversations I've had with him, it's more about mindset and communication. You know, how are you going to get your point across? And uh, I think that comes with experience. But, you know, having been around Hal as much as I have now the last, I don't know, whatever it is, how many years, um, you gain a whole new respect for that aspect of it. It becomes more about communicating a message than just, you know, here's the playbook. You know, we've got 20 plays we run on this sequence. We've got five plays we run on this out-of-bound sequence. And in this circumstance, with under five seconds on the shot clock, we run this. With him, it's much more about how he relates to his players. And and I that's kind of I think Zach has kind of taken some of that with him as well, and yeah. so it's kind of an interesting dynamic watching you guys even on the bench, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, during games, um, yeah. because you guys are each other's biggest cheerleaders and that's awesome, yeah, because you guys bench is always into the game, so that's very cool. Yeah, we have an awesome bench. I think that that's something that we've stressed throughout, and that's credit to Don. I think in a big way that he kind of brought that culture here that you know you're always going to be supporting each other and even if you're not necessarily in the game at the time like you're still a part of it like in our bench really is if our bench is dead that does affect us on the court you know and I I feel it too when I'm on the bench if we're not bringing energy and things like you can see it impact the girls that are out there and a lot of times when we travel places like we don't we don't have as many fans or whatever and so 
to, yeah, to be our own biggest fans is a big deal. And so that's something I think that Don helped to nurture, that the girls before us helped to nurture, and then that Zach, you know, has continued to preach and we've continued to preach now. So I hope that that continues to be the case, and I think that it will be um, from here on out. Let's talk a little bit about on the court. You said mm-hmm. on the court, so let's let's go there. Um, four and four, yeah. Two and zero oh in the conference. Uh, I think people see four and four and they go, "Oh my God, what's wrong with the women's basketball team?" <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But yeah. let's be honest. The schedule you've played so far, mm-hmm. pretty rugged. Yeah. Some really good non-conference games mm-hmm. that you guys have played before you've jumped into UMAC play. So, you know, where where's the team at? Talk to me a little bit about the start of the season and and. Yeah, I mean, well, going back to like. the beginning, I mean, with when we were deciding who is going to be playing, who we're going to be playing, like I remember talking to Zach like a little bit about it a while ago. You know, who is going to be on the schedule? And this is the toughest non-conference schedule we've played since I've been here, in my opinion. Like we start out with two exhibition games against two tough D two teams, then we go into playing the top of the Mayak. We play. St. Thomas, we play St. Ben's, Augsburg was really tough, you know, um, stout teams like that. And so, yeah, it was definitely a challenging non-conference schedule, but that's what we, that's what we want. I think it's, it's more beneficial to us to play teams like that and see what's really out there than pad our record with teams that we should be beating. And we could have won any of those games. Like I, I look at it as, you know, we, we had good moments against St. Thomas. We could have hung with them. We we did pretty well against them, in my opinion. Like, um, you know, in, in smaller ways, at the end of the day, it didn't end up how we wanted. But, you know, there's things that you can take away from that. And um, same with, you know, St. Ben's and Stealth. Those are both games where you, you really want to win those games. It came down to the wire. And we just um, we just need to learn how to to – win at the end of the game you know we hang with teams and then we have to be able to buckle down and pull out a win and maintain that I think we've done that in the conference here so far as like you know expecting to win and make you know pulling out the win in the end and so uh I think I think that all the girls got better through that and got to experience some some losses and responding to losses which is important because you never know when the next loss might come hopefully hopefully we don't have that but you have to be able to bounce back and respond. That's just part of sports and part of life. And so, um, yeah, I think we've responded well. It's been been good to get into the conference now and see that work pay off. And, you know, hopefully we'll keep keep improving, going in the winning direction here. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not upset about how, uh, you know, the teams that we played, and I have confidence that if we play them again that we can, we can compete, we can beat them. And so... Yeah, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't real discouraging, I think, for us. And the record is what it is. And um, at the end of the day, I think what matters is how you play in February, March. And so we'll take those bumps in December and November. That's all right with me. That's some good coach speak right there. That is. <laughs> that is. I like that. That sounds like something Zach would tell me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what I would say is is I think people get a little bit too hung up on the past success of the program at a certain point. And I know, John, you've had this also with the hockey program. Mm-hmm. Um, people are looking and saying, you know, what's the matter with the Bruins basketball team being 4-4? Four four? I don't have any problem with it. I, you know, I mean, with especially with the schedule, like you said, that you guys have yeah. played. It's it's very, very challenging schedule. Uh, last year's was very challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys ended up winning 24 games with that schedule. Um, but, you know, I, I think that people in town and, and people who have observed the program have kind of gotten used to a certain level of wins. Mm-hmm. 
that yeah. are associated with the women's basketball program, 20 plus to be exact. And, you know, you know, every streak comes to an end in that regard. And so I don't, I don't worry about records in terms of, you know, where the team has been and where they're going or, or anything like that. It's more about the growth of the, of the yeah. team. And I feel like you guys have grown a lot, you know, since the beginning of the year. Uh, I think I've seen more growth in this team probably since the first game of the year than I've seen in the other years. Mm-hmm. I thought last year you guys were remarkably consistent. You, know, yeah. you started out playing at a very high level and maintained that basically throughout the entire year, right. which is really rare. I mean, most mm-hmm. teams have, you know, uh, you know, they, they, they'll, they'll play, you know, maybe a little bit rough early, peak at a certain point, then maybe come back a little bit. You guys played at a very high level mm-hmm. all of last year practically. And so I think that people maybe have gotten a little bit of a sense of that that's normal. It's not really normal. Uh, when you play that many games, it, you tend to have dips in your performance. Um, and so, you know, it goes up and down a little bit. But it feels like you guys are kind of ironing that out a little bit now yeah. as you go along. You're getting more and more consistent as the season goes on here. I mean, I think for the record, like, our team is very young. And so it's a lot of new girls coming in who are a lot is being asked of them. And the people who are starting, we only have a few people that are starting from last year me and Ellie and Emily and so it's like people even who've been here for a while are stepping into starting roles like P and Marissa they didn't start last year and so it's it's still new for them to step up into that that spot and then for all the other girls being asked to fill into roles that they haven't before and I think that they've done a great job of stepping up into that and figuring that out and then as far as the overall record goes like in past years we've still like last year was our winningest year I think ever and we only lost I think we lost three games yep. so we've only lost four games right now so hypothetically right, speaking yeah. like it could still be a really great year and so right, right, yeah. and it's comparable to like I, it's weird to me that I, I have felt that from fans and from people in the community a little bit sometimes that you know they are surprised I guess with how it started but you forget that in past years like in my first two years we we did lose quite a few games early on in the non-conference schedule. Like the majority of our losses were then because then in those first two years we won all of our games in the conference right, and still right, ended up yeah. with a record of like 20-something and five or 20-something and six. I don't really remember. And so it's like it could still end up being like that, and that's what right. we're working towards. But I, I do sense that sometimes that, you know, people are surprised when these things happen. But, um, you know, it is what it is, and we don't – we don't think about it that much, I guess, like ourselves, which is good. I mean, we can't dwell on that kind of thing. And um, and I, I do understand where people are coming from, and I'm happy they have that expectation for us. But, yeah, understanding that, you know, it, it this is the way it's going this year, and hopefully we'll keep winning now. And, um, and if we take some losses, yeah, I mean, again, at the end of the day, what matters is the end of the year, not – not really right now. Right. And I, I personally, I think this is a team that's going to win plenty of games before the year is out. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I mean, I, you know, when I look at the past numbers, I mean, as a broadcaster, John and I do this quite a bit, and so does anybody that's really involved mm-hmm. in sports as far as the broadcasting. You look back at previous numbers and records and who did what and who did, you know, as a kind of a gauge of where you're going. But, um, you know, it, every team is different. I mm-hmm. mean, it's a, it's a little bit of coach speak. You know, to say that, and it's a little bit of a cliche, but that's the truth. I mean, every team is a little bit different. You know, I mean, the men's basketball team, for instance, is completely different this year than yeah. they were last year. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and you guys are very different. I don't know if you're as different as they are, but, you know, every year is a little bit different. And even if you do bring back players, it doesn't mean that the dynamics going to be the same. Mm-hmm. You know, because you guys, you know, looking at the team this year, having lost, you know, you lost three key players from last mm-hmm. year's team, players who played a big role last year. You yeah. know, conference player of the year in Hannah Norland. You got 
a player who had all the intangibles you could ask for in Taylor Kane, and then you got Katie White who would come in and usually knock down you know two or three threes in a game. <laughs> Just a buzzer beater. Yeah, yeah a buzzer beater. Don't forget that <laughs> one. In a playoff game, you know, <laughs> all that. Look at the bench, like, oh my huge. gosh. Right, oh yeah. my gosh. But those, that's a, those were big losses. You yeah. Know, I mean, the, the, you know, those are technically the only three that graduated. Right. But, um, you know, that was, that, those are big holes mm-hmm. to fill. I mean, you're talking about 30 points and, you know, 15 rebounds a game out of your lineup just with those three. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, I think people were a little bit over overzealous and thinking that this team is going to just take right off, take off mm-hmm. right away. But uh, you guys are getting it together now at the right time. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm anxious to see how the conference season plays out now. Yeah, me too. I'm excited. I'm excited for that. And I think that, I mean, even, yeah, even the players who did play last year, Miele, Emily, like some of the other returners. So we started, I guess, last year. But my roles changed. Ellie's roles changed. Emily's roles changed. You know, Mackenzie's role, like all those returners. And so, yeah, I mean, losing those guys, like it's not only asking a lot from the freshmen to just jump in and fill it. I think that for all of us, it's an adjustment. It is a new team. And, um, you know, our expectations of ourselves are still the same. But, uh yeah, it, it, it takes some time, and I think that we are coming into it, though, at a good time here. How has your role changed? Well, I'm playing more inside than outside, you know, this year, and um, I've, I've always been more comfortable on the outside, on the perimeter, and shooting, but this year I've kind of... I kind of like going going inside more and posting girls up, and that's what, you know, Hannah always had done for us, and so now, you know, we have... Um, Pasha in there when we also I have me able to go in there sometimes and um, getting more rebounds like I'm trying to be more intentional about that and you've seen it I guess if you look at the stats it fluctuates like there's games where I get very few and then games where I can have you know quite a few and so it's more for me just getting into the mindset of I need to go in there and rebound like it's not going to just be Hannah's not going to just get it every time and for me that's a that's an adjustment mentally um, because I you know I've I haven't been great at that over the years, and so trying to be more intentional about doing things like that. And then just, yeah, leadership-wise, being a senior and things, things change that way, too, and girls look to you more. And, um, yeah, just not having anybody else, I guess, really to fall fall back on as the older class this year. Uh, it's just it's me and Kenzie and Riss and Emily now, and so it's, yeah, you got to look to each other for that, and that's different, too. It's interesting to watch your career arc. Um, yeah. you know, I, I've been with you for four years now, and uh, you know when you came in, it, it, your first year, I remember everyone was shocked at how well you shot the three ball. But I had been told that that was what to expect. Mm-hmm. You know, was Coach Mulhern had said, you know, what about Eva? I know she's a twenty-plus point a game scorer at Denfeld last year. Blah blah blah. And he said she can really shoot, shoot the long ball. And I said, okay, that's cool. And I remember the first like three or four games, you know, that of, of your mm-hmm. freshman year. Teams sagged way off of you, yeah, and let you shoot those threes, and you started knocking them down so much to the point where Nate Colleen, who was on the men's team, nicknamed you Threeva, which <laughs> that's what he <laughs> you see came in. Yeah. And he's, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's, yeah, a, yeah, yeah that's a good one. Yeah, that was he. He nicknamed you Threeva, and he would he would come up and say how many threes that Threeva had tonight and and stuff like that. He looked in the box <laughs> score. But it's interesting to watch your career arc because, like, those first two years, mm-hmm. uh, you were pretty much a perimeter player. And then I know Coach Mulhern, both of them, Al, mm-hmm. Ed, and Don were stressing trying to get in the post more, and Zach did too. And it's been interesting to watch you go from a spot-up three-point shooter pretty much exclusively your first two years and becoming more of an all-around player. So that mm-hmm. transition, I know it wasn't a natural one for you, but I know you really put a lot of time in it on that one. And I know you put a lot of work in, especially during the summer doing that. So, uh, you know, it's been fun to watch your career arc in that regard. 
because I know, like I said, you were much more comfortable in the perimeter right away, but then when you started going inside a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, that process must have been challenging as well in a lot of ways for you. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not natural to me to be super physical inside. I just haven't, I didn't need to be in high school so much because I was tall, you know, and the teams that we played, I was able to just kind of stand there and stand there and shoot, and I didn't have to go in and get a body on anybody or anything. And same went for rebounds. Like, I just would go in there, and it would just come down to me. And so to adjust to that over the last couple years especially has been different, but it's been good. I mean, I play in the summer with uh, in a men's league and also in a women's league, and the men's league in particular has helped me to get more more used to playing physically with, with people. And so um, – yeah, that definitely has translated well, I guess, into this season, this year and last year, too. And you can't just stand out there anymore. Like, now that they know that, I can't I can't stand out there and, and just shoot it and expect right. to just get the ball. There's a little bit more focus on, on that, so I have to find other ways to score. And I found, you know, getting inside and um, allows me to open myself up outside, too. And so... There's a good inside-outside game this year, too, with, like, Marissa and Emily shooting as well as they have been from the three-point line. I mean, if they dump it down to me, they know that I'm going to get it back out to them. And that's that's one thing, too, about me being inside is I think I respect the guards at the three-point line, too, because I remember as a three-point shooter, you stand in there and you feel like, oh, my goodness, like, I'm so open, but you don't always get it get it back and so I kind of have it in my head that I know I know they're going to be open and I know that I trust them to make that shot and so if I get it inside and I draw somebody to me like I'm happy to happy to kick it out to them for a wide open three I always tell Emily I mean that's like a layup for her you know she makes (laughs) she makes them so much it really is I mean she she's going to make a ton of those Marissa just made a bunch of them in the last game we have a lot of girls who can shoot outside and so um yeah I I think that it's opened up a lot inside outside for us so you got St. Scholastica is your next opponent. That game will be done right. by the time this airs. But I, I come from a, a hockey background, and it's obvi- it's a very uh, it's a it's a game that plays at high temperature when yeah. Saints Classic and the Yellow Jackets <laughs> play yes, in any sport. Well, yeah. that was going to be my question: is the, is there the same rivalry and the same kind of you know? Is it a full blooded affair? Oh yeah, like it is on the hockey side where I come from for for your teams as well or is it just yeah. another game no absolutely I think I mean Scholastica and frankly now Bethany Lutheran too like those are both really big games but the Scholastica UWS like bridge battle it doesn't you know it doesn't really matter what our records are year to year you know that both teams are going to really bring it when we play against each other and so I, I always look forward to this game you know everybody <laughs> really likes playing Scholastica and so I mean yeah credit to them like they do when they play us it's it's um they come ready to go and so we have to be as well and um we're all very excited for it though it is it is definitely a rivalry and it's fun to see the community really does come out for this you know you get people from Duluth and from Superior come out and watch and and that's huge like for our sport to have have people come out and and be there for the games and so um yeah, we, we love this game, though. I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. It's always <laughs> well, it's, uh, <laughs> If that tells you anything. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, and I mean, yeah. and you, you have a unique perspective also because you are from Duluth. Right. Yeah. You know, a lot of the, yeah. that, I'm glad you're going there because that's where I wanted to be. Yeah, exactly. So you're well, you're from there. Duluth, so right. you've seen both sides of it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, it's one of those situations where 
I don't know if if, if it's it's got to be different for for uh, you know the girls that have not are not necessarily local. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean Mackenzie Kimmick is local, and and Ellie is also local, of course, and so are you. But you know, a lot of these players, are, you know, are not from this area. You know, I mean, if you look at our roster on the women's side, it's spread out kind of all over the place, both in Minnesota and Wisconsin. So. Uh, for them, it's a little bit different, but for you being a hometown hometown girl, so to speak, uh, I mean, it must carry even a little bit more special, like a little bit more of a special meaning for you. Yeah, it does. I mean, I I had wanted to stay in Duluth and play when I was growing up, you know, and I I don't know if it was like Scholastica or UMD or wherever. I didn't even think about coming to Superior when I was in high school until um, Haley Cotney was here and we were friends and she kind of mentioned me to Don and I came here and met Don for the first time and he was like, you know, he didn't really know anything about me either. And so anyway, like over that, my senior year is kind of where I first found out about UWS and started to consider coming here versus going to Scholastica or going to UMD. And um, yeah, I mean, it just kind of, I don't know, I got, I've been such a part of this campus like I love UWS now this is where I I'm proud to be playing here like I'm proud to represent this school and so it's kind of I don't know it's kind of taken on a a new meaning for me like I just I'm I'm proud to represent this school and so I do want to beat beat Duluth when we play against Duluth and so yeah I yeah I mean I I never would have pictured that I guess growing up but like for me, it's it's just as much a rivalry as anything else. Like I I would I always want to beat Scholastica. You know, you always want to do well against UMD, and so um, yeah, these are the games that I really look forward to. And I think that you grow that in the girls who are from farther away now too. They they look forward to these games. They know what it means, and so um, yeah, they're excited for these games too. Yeah, they kind of understand the magnitude of the rivalry, I suppose. Yeah, uh, you know, and some of that's fueled too because there are locals on both teams right yeah. you know and and you play against each other in the summer mm-hmm. and you've played against each other all the way up and that just helps add fuel to the fire yeah there's girls on the scholastica team that i you know played against in high school and then on the umb team like people play with an au so it's like you do kind of no more no more girls and so it's fun but it's also uh it, the rivalry is there too. You know, you wanna wanna beat each other. You wanna do well against each other, and so it's fun. Yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, I mean, I agree. <laughs> it's a, you know the games of Bethany Lutheran. I think have a different tone just because it's been for the conference title for the last right. few years. Um, but the games with Scholastica almost are, are I don't want to say they're more meaningful, but there's a different level to them because whenever you're geographically that close to somebody, obviously it's going to become a, you know a thing. Um, you know, you guys play UMD every year, um, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of go. There's a lot of back and forth between the two teams as far as the players knowing each other in that regard too. Um, but you know, it, it is it's different when it's a hometown situation versus well, they're our rival because you know we're we're battling with them for the conference crown. Right. You know, that's a different thing. It's it's right. it's more of a kind of like what you guys had to go with with Stevens Point back in the day, whereas you two were always at the top of the conference, and it was always between you two and River Falls. So kind of the, the, the don't th- forget Bemidji. Oh, and Bemidji. <laughs> that, yeah. That's where the rivalry lived for us. Yeah. Was it? Was yeah. it Bemidji? It was Bemidji. Was it? Okay. Yeah. But I mean, the reason why that was a rivalry though is because you're fighting for that conference right. crown. Um, you know, there was no geographic thing. I mean, Bemidji is two and a half hours away. So, it, it, and it's kind of similar with Bethany Lutheran. They're, what, three and a half, four hours away. So you're fighting with them for, for playoff positioning and the number one seed or the number two seed or whatever it may be, home card advantage in the playoffs, you know, regular you know regular season conference crown, yada, yada, yada. But with Scholastica, it is a little bit more personal at a certain level mm-hmm. just because it's like we see these girls around. Yeah, <laughs> right? right. You know, it's not just... 
um, you know, we play them, then they go back to Mankato, and we're done mm-hmm. with them until we see them again in right. a game. You know, with yeah. them, it's they're you know they're there, <laughs> you know they're around. Right. So you get the chance to see mm-hmm. them more often off the court. So yeah, yeah, it it, may, it makes for an interesting dynamic. I'll say that. No, it's kind of for pride, I guess, for winning the city in a little way. You know, like who is like superior versus Duluth and things. And so yeah, it is. A, it's a big deal. And like in past years, like in my sophomore and freshman years, we played UMD really tight both those years. Like we think we lost by two or three points both those times. And so. Then it was kind of, you know, those were just exhibition games, but between all three teams, you know, you can kind of feel the sense of, like, playing to be the team in the city, the women's basketball team in the city. And so that's kind of, I think, the dynamic for us in Scholastica. And, um, yeah, it's it's fun. It's exciting. Well, I remember the year you played UMD at home. Yeah. And you were up at halftime. Right. And people were looking around going, oh, my God. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. Is... <laughs> well, a lot of those yeah. girls that play for UMD right now, and I can say this being one of their voices as well, they remember that game. Right. A lot of them. Because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of them were freshmen at the time. Yeah. You know, the Ann Simonettes and the Sarah Girls, they remember that game. Right. And uh, I remember that game just because, you know, I I remember talking to Hannah Norland after the game, and I think the, they ended up beating us by four, I think. It was three yeah, I think it was four. Yeah, I think it was, four. Four. Yeah. It was four. a really four. tight game all the way through. Um, and uh, Hannah Norland came off, and she was angry because she's like, we let that one get away because we led that game for 75%, and we let yeah. it get away in the last couple minutes. Yep. And, you know, that was kind of refreshing to see, too, that now, like, not only do we take beating Scholastica seriously, right. we're going to take beating UMD seriously if we can do it. Right. You know, mm. and but I remember her being angry after the game. I mean, she was just straight up, you know, kind of steamed yeah. that, you know, we had led that game. We should have won it. There was no reason for us to lose that game. And it was very interesting to listen to that kind of dynamic, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a fun three-way, you know, between the three schools. But, of course, mostly for you guys against Scholastica. Yeah. Yeah. So you're a senior. Graduation is on the horizon. What is next for Eva Reinertsen? Well, um, I'm I'm planning to go to Scholastica actually after this. Show's Hopefully, over. I know. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> oh man! Get out of my studio. I know. I know. I, well, they have a master's program. For they you, do. Though, right? Yeah, yeah. They, do. they do. And so um, I haven't applied yet. So Scholastica, if they if they hear this, you should accept me because I want. <laughs> she wants to come to your school. I want to. I want to come there. No. Um. But I'm applying for clinical social work master's degree and so because of going to school here for four years I majored in social work and psychology and so I can get on an accelerated program at a local school and probably probably throughout Wisconsin or here but I want to stay in the area and so I'm planning to go there and then in a year I'll have my master's in clinical social work and then hopefully work as a school social worker or something after that is the that's the plan right now yeah as far as school goes do you want to go like (laughs) High school, like, like, is that where you want to go? Is that yeah, the you go high, to? high okay. school or um, maybe something in college, like counseling, like that. But right now, yeah, high school, social work, probably. Okay. Yeah, that's the plan. That's it's interesting to me because that you would you would choose that path because you you were homeschooled. Yeah. So it's it's interesting that the career you'd want to approach would be going in a direction you didn't go personally. Yeah, it is. I mean, I don't know. I I went to Denfeld. I get Denfeld. School social work is kind of where my heart is at. Like any any high school in the area, Denfeld East, I I would love to go to Superior High School, any place like that. But um, 
I kind of knew a school social worker growing up who worked at Denfeld and just meeting him and talking about what he did and how he interacted with those people in the community and things made me kind of passionate about that. And I like the idea of um, giving back to the community in that way and being a part of a, a school like that. You know, and I think that UWS has been a part of my um desire like grow my desire to do that just seeing what it's like to be a part of a campus community a school community and the difference that people make in your lives while you're there I mean both of you guys like my coaches you know there's just been a lot of you know adults people that have invested in me and my time here and that's been extremely meaningful that's you know even if it's not um, anything that you might feel is big, like it, it does impact students and it impacts young people. And I think that to be able to do that in some way, um, even though that wasn't necessarily my experience through a school setting growing up, like I, I definitely had other adults who did that for me. And I just see that career as a way to do that for other kids. My so. piece of advice to you is make sure you keep a full candy dish in your yes. office. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll bring them that way. Yeah. We're going back to the to the previous <laughs> reference to the chocolate dish. Yes, <laughs> yeah. We did tell that story uh, with, with the coach Zach out of Oh, you did? Yes, yeah, we, yeah, did. Yeah. we did talk about that. Uh, yeah. And he wasn't surprised. No, I, mean, I bet it, he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we just we talked about the fact that uh, yeah, you you know just peeking in at the Ghirardelli chocolates and that little dish over there. <laughs> yeah, you know. it's good stuff. Apparently, the dish has been retired though. So well, that was a nice compliment yeah, though. So I feel out. like I have to bring it back. I know out. now he's <laughs> now you might like me again. <laughs> feel like I have to bring it back right, out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Put in the Ghirardelli chocolates and just let Eva have her. <laughs> yeah, Ghirardelli yeah. chocolates and she'll be smiling the rest of the time. Plus, she's only a, she's a senior, so I only have to worry about it for one right, more semester. Yeah. Right, Those yeah. things aren't cheap, man. No, I was going to say, that won't cost you as much as it would if I was here for a lot longer. Well, yeah, you know, that she's going to have to get yeah. a taste for Hershey's. It's one of the two. Fair. Yeah, that's that's fair enough, I right? And those, those aren't cheap either. Hershey's, but <laughs> those are Those aren't cheap own, either. On its own plane, I think. Yeah, Ghirardelli yeah. has its own. That's the, what, what, they, what do they call that? The gourmet like chocolate? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Gourmet chocolate, although I don't know what that means necessarily, <laughs> but that's that's how they classify themselves. You clearly so. you haven't had them versus the Hershey's Matt. You oh need, wow, she's, to, she's, she's a connoisseur apparently. No. Well, no, I'm not, but I, there's a there's a definite difference between those two things, I think. Okay, well here's here's a question for you that's off that's like off topic: <laughs> milk chocolate or semi-sweet bittersweet chocolate? Milk chocolate. Okay. Yeah. Garber. Yeah, you just keep that in mind, uh, Garber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Note to self. Wow. You read All right. I, I guess the, the free chocolate you pick up in my office, and now I have to buy a specific kind. But for me, well, yeah, I am more of the, the dark. Yeah, I am too. You know, well, I, somewhat that's, better. That's healthier. With an asterisk. It's good yeah, for the ticker. For you guys. And I'm old, so. Right. And I, yeah, we're both old. That's the, that's the problem. Well, my sister's a nutritionist, and she always tells me oh, about great. how many antioxidants are in dark, dark chocolate. And apparently there's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely better f- better for you. Right. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. I can't do like the 80%. Okay, because that's a little too. That's a little bit. That's a little too tough for me. Eighty percent cocoa. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a little bit it's too. It's pretty bitter for me. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah, no. Yeah. No, that tastes like. So I can't dirt. go quite that high. Are but... you like? Are you one of those people that likes like semi sweet chocolate like in the right circumstance, Eva? Yeah, I don't not like it. I I okay. mean, I just would prefer milk chocolate. I guess. Okay, and where's you? Where do you stand on white chocolate? Um, I'm not a huge white. That's that feels too sweet sometimes. Even versus milk chocolate, white chocolate. Is, yeah, white chocolate is a little that bit. That's a little tougher. Maybe I don't know. I remember when like Nestle Crunch came out with the white chocolate bars in the '80s. I loved those things. Did you really? I did. Wow. Yeah. See, I was Get always a I was a huge them. fan. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Are you see, still I, into that? 
No, I haven't had one in probably yeah. 25 years. Well, <laughs> geez. <laughs> I told you I was old. Maybe I yeah, can bring exactly. you those. I'll bring you those. Yeah, you guys can work yeah, out a trade can, or some sort in between. between I don't know. Yeah, no, I just... <laughs> This is an off-the-record question about your chocolate preferences. Yeah, I don't know where yeah. that came from, but that's no, okay. That. <laughs> like, we do some off-the-record questions here. So. Yeah, we do some yeah. really oddball stuff here. But yeah, at any that. rate, Eva Anderson, senior on the Yellow Jacket women's basketball team. Threva, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank you, guys. We'll be back with more of the Eye of the Swarm right after this. Sports broadcasts on 91.3 FM are made possible in part by Catholic Charities Bureau, the Social Ministry of the Diocese of Superior, and their affiliate program, the Challenge Center. The Challenge Center serves individuals with disabilities throughout Douglas County and beyond, including operating Bay Produce in Superior. Info about the Challenge Center programs and Bay Produce is at challenge-center.org. Catholic Charities Bureau, 100 years of serving people in need. We're back on the final segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm, and uh, we mentioned brief, briefly in the open, Matt, that it's the the last one, final yeah. week of the semester already, and uh, it's against NCAA rules and regulations to compete or even practice during finals week, which is next week here at UW-Superior, so final week of competition until the end of December. Yeah, yeah, and it, uh, it sinks up on us. Like I mean, we talked about it. It's... Uh I don't know if it's a function of our age catching up with us, John, or just the way that you know the world unfolds or this life unfolds, but it does right. feel like it goes faster and faster each year. It does. Um, and there are uh, some games coming up here at home. It's a busy week. Yeah. It's a busy week. Yeah, there's a lot to, to get through. So we'll uh, set up the uh, weekly schedule here for you for men's basketball and women's basketball, for that matter. We'll talk about uh, both of them because they're playing doubleheaders. Uh, this week, both teams will be home for two games each, so four games between the two sides. The men will kick it all off on Wednesday. Of course, that uh, that game will be actually already haven't been played by the time this is made public, but uh, this uh, Wednesday, December 11th, against St. Scholastica, 5.30 p.m., the first of two bridge battles between the Yellow Jackets and the Saints. And then on Saturday, December 14th, they'll be taking on Bethany Lutheran, 3 p.m., the opening tip of that one. I'll be on with the pregame starting at 2.45 of that contest. You'll have all four of those. I will. I'll have all four of those of those, of those guys uh, on the radio on 91.3. So if you have time, check us out. Check them out. Uh, the women, uh, meanwhile, as we talked about, 7.15 p.m., uh, the opening tip, uh, pregame there, 7 o'clock against St. Scholastica on Wednesday. And then Saturday against Bethany Lutheran, grudge match between those two sides, uh, 4.45, the opening tip there. I'll be on with the pregame starting at 4.30 or so, and that'll lead right into... Men's hockey. Jagged hockey. Yeah, jagged hockey coming up. They have uh, two games this week. They're going home and away. Uh, you're making your annual trip up to the Bay Area Civic Center. I am. Congratulations. Thank you. I knew you'd like that one. Uh, Friday, December 13th at Northland College. There'll be a 7 p.m. opening faceoff. Mr. Garver will be on with the pregame starting at 640. And then on Saturday, after our two basketball broadcasts, we'll lead right into the home game against the Lumberjacks. 7 p.m., 640, the pregame at Westman Arena. So that'll be a busy day. It is. This is our first triple header. It is the first triple header of the year. Yeah. That'll be kind of fun, though. Elliot in the studio is going to have uh, yeah, it'll be a long gonna, day. It'll be a long day up here, buddy. Yeah. I hope you uh, bring plenty of coffee I might for have that. to send you some pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we'd, uh, we'll try to get you some refreshments yeah, or something. Yeah. Get maybe. you a pizza delivered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, women's hockey is off, but they have one game this week. They're taking on St. Scholastica on Tuesday. That's tonight, of course, in real time uh, in, uh, in the 
in podcast time. That'll be over, but uh, I it know you're be. heading across the uh, bridge over to Mars Lake for you to do that yep, one. Yep, so. we'll be doing that one live tonight. That'll be fun. And then... Uh, uh, They're not done, it. you know. They're not done? They're at home on Friday night. Are they at home on Friday? They're at home on oh, Friday. That's right. They are. They're taking on St. Kate's. They got St. Kate's. Yeah, that'll be a 6, uh, what was that, 7 p.m. 7 Opening face-off against the uh, Wildcats, and then on Saturday they do the flop and they go back the other direction to take on St. Kate's. Right. And that'll be, I think, is that 7 p.m. as well? I think so. Okay. I think so. Okay. I, I forgot to put it down here on my notes, but I think it's, I <sighs> know. man. I'm starting to no. fail. It must be the it must be the finals week coming it up. It could be. Could okay. be. I've I've got this winter itis. You got now. a little brain burn going on. Yeah. I know. Too much snow. <laughs> that's what I'm gonna blame it on. Too much snow and not enough coffee. That's that's what <laughs> I'll blame that one on. But I think it is a seven p.m. against. So yeah, it's a busy week. Uh, it's a busy week for the team. It's a busy week for us on the air. You know, yep. we'll have what two, four, six games. Yep. Seven games. Yeah. Seven games seven on games. the air this week. So four for me, three for you. Yeah. So it's a yeah. It's uh, we're going to be getting plenty of airtime here. Yeah. It's a busy week, but it's. Uh, it's hope a people good, listen to us. It's actually. a good week. I hope people are tuning us in. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I hope people are tuning us in on the podcast. Who I know they are. We've, yeah, they are. We've had some pretty good good numbers throughout this whole thing. So it's, yeah, uh, we have. It's a lot of fun for us, and we're glad people are gravitating toward it. And the more, the merrier. Absolutely. That should be our new uh, slogan. I think. The more, the merrier. <laughs> At least in terms of uh, listenership. <laughs> so with that, he's the big sound, Matt Johnson. Our engineer in the studio is Elliot Swear. I'm John Garver. Thank you very much for listening to this week's Eye of the Swarm, The More the Merrier, sponsored by Barker's Island Inn.